fine morning to you all. Who who is in Christmas planning season? Who 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 is who is rejecting planning anything for Christmas? Charmaine is not having a bar of it. Pip is saying no, thank you. It it, it is Christmas planning season, right? Now, who has expectations around what your Christmas will look like this year? Do you kind of have a sense of what it's going to be and what's going to come? Is this filling you with joy? Is this filling you with, um, Jeanette is, is like me. I have the Christmas spirit. I love Christmas. But I, I've been seeing a lot of, um, you know, do we know what memes are on the internet? Memes are just kind of amusing kind of pictures that capture a feeling. And there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, memes going around right now around awkward family get-togethers because that's what the holidays often invokes for many people is you have to get together with, with you know, all of the relatives, and that can oftentimes bring a lot of interesting dynamics. But, and, and often in New Zealand because for us, Christmas is, is truly the end of the year. And so it really wraps up in the States. It's a little bit different because it's, you kind of just pause briefly because our year doesn't finish, the school year anyways, um, doesn't finish until kind of May. And so everything you kind of, it's quite busy. And there's a lot of expectations. You already kind of prep yourself. You, you have expectations around what Christmas is going to be. And some of you are highly anticipating it. And some of you are, are less than excited about Christmas. But your expectations determine a lot. And I was thinking this morning, I want to talk about expectations, and, um, and we're going to look at some of the Christmas story. But I, I had a story this week that just fits so perfectly in with it. So my boy Archer, he gets the limelight again. So as, who has at least two children close in age? How many of you know they love one another? They, they show each other so much love and tenderness and care. So, so Bennett and Archer were loving on one another this week. And they were loving on each other a lot this week. I mean, and Bennett can take a hit, I'm telling you. He's the younger brother, but man, he can take a hit. And so Archer and Bennett were fighting. They weren't loving on one another. They were fighting. And, and the fight kind of escalated. You know how there's like fighting and then there's fighting? You know, like it's, there's fighting and you're unpleased with the other person. And there's fighting where you're trying to harm the other person. And so they escalated it up into let's fight to fight. And Archer wasn't really there, but Bennett came in. And I don't know what he did, but Bennett has a way to either bite or to, like, what, what did he do that, that prompted this? Because do you remember? They're on the floor wrestling. So Archer grabs him and makes Bennett do a flip and, like, lands him on the ground. Like, Archer went to WWE wrestling and said, we're, we're ending the fight. And it did end the fight. Like, Bennett was like, I'm done. And... And the funniest thing happened is because a- Angie w- wasn't actually even worried because Bennett, would, he deserved his WWE wrestling move. Like, it's, hey, you're going to fight with your big brother. He's going to hurt you if you eventually amp it up to this level. Angie wasn't even going to touch it. She was just going to kind of let them resolve their, their, their bits and pieces. And so, but, but Archer immediately ran. He just ran to his room, and he put himself in timeout. <laughs> How many children do you know that will put themselves in timeout? It was amazing. <laughs> he needs to teach his, his younger brother this trick. His younger brother has the opposite problem. You put him in timeout, and he vacates timeout immediately, right? 
Bennett does not stay in timeout. Um, so, so Archer immediately took himself to timeout. And Angie, Angie went into the room and she said, Archer, what are you doing? Like, you're okay. Your brother, he, you're, he was, it was just, I don't know if she used the words like it was just an accident. We knew it's not an accident. We knew they're fighting. But he said, no, mom, I did it on purpose. I need to be in timeout. Like, he had this sense that he knew he needed to be in timeout. But we, we often anticipate what is coming, and we adjust our expectations around that. We often are pretty sure of what we think is coming our way and how we think it's going to come. The expectations that we have around something often will even influence our behavior in that regard. And this morning, I want to I encourage you with a word this morning around uh, looking, beginning at this Christmas story around expectation of what we care even before something happens. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, where it all began 2,017 years ago. And I'm sure Jesus was born on December the 25th, just so we all know. Okay, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. This is an amazing word from an angel. This is an amazing word for Zechariah. I just was, some of the things that are found within this word for Zechariah, joy, gladness, rejoicing, a son in barrenness, a son that's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, a son that will turn many children of Israel back to God, a son who will go in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. This is an amazing scripture. How many of you would enjoy getting that word for one of your kids? I'd be like, come on, Archer, but they're doing WWE moves. That's what I've got right now, right? I would, this is a powerful word that Zechariah receives. It's so powerful. It's so life-filled. It's so hope-filled. This message for a father, for his son, this this is absolutely awesome. So let's just look at Zechariah's response to this amazing word. Verse 18, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. 
And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them, and he remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. Zechariah didn't believe the angel. We know that because the angel said, you didn't believe what I said. Zechariah did not believe the angel. I just, I find this picture so interesting. He's standing in the temple of God. He's standing doing his service before God. People are praying all around him. He's involved in the very act of worship. An angel shows up and he knows it's not something normal because he was terrified of this thing when it showed up. An angel of the Lord comes and brings a very word from God and speaks to him. And he doesn't believe it. Now, I I honestly think Zechariah has a lot of very good reasons to not believe the angel. I think sometimes we just go over it too quickly, and I don't want to give Zechariah too hard of a time. Him and his wife were both very old in years. There's not too many people very old in years that are, that are having babies. It happened with Abraham, but I think Zechariah was probably counting the amount of times that he knew how often that happens. Not only that, his wife was barren. And it hasn't happened yet, so all of his experiences of his long life are a testament to it not happening. I, I also wonder, how many times do you think he, he was in the temple serving and before God? How many times do you come to church on a Sunday morning? Often, right? We're coming here week after week, and, and maybe you have your Bible study week, or we do it fortnightly often, our home groups. You meet week after week, and maybe you have, even if, as Tammy encouraged us to have communion every day or every week, you come week after week, and the routine of that can happen, and you just get so used to what your expectations are when you come before the Lord. You get so used to doing what you've always done. And I, I can picture Zechariah so used to, you know, he's got the incense and he's doing his things and he's just moving through the duties and he's sincerely praying. The Bible says that him, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous before God. They, they, these were not people that had attitude problems with God. They were righteous before God. But he was, he was so used to going through what he'd always gone through. And I just picture him going through, not the motions, but he's just... He's just doing what he was doing. He had grown used to a lot of expectations around what that looked like. And his expectations were completely, um, possibly set into what that looks like and how it was going to happen when he went through those bits and pieces to come before the Lord. I looked up, what what does expectations mean? Just in the normal dictionary. Expectations are a strong belief that something will happen or be the case. Your expectations are a strong belief that something will happen or be the case. It's safe to say that Zechariah's expectations were low to non-existent around God intervening in his life. Because not only when, when the angel turned up and gave him the word, he still did not believe what was brought to him. 
His expectations were low. Even though he was a priest, even though he was in the temple, even though he was burning incense as an act of worship with everyone else praying, he did not expect God to show up. He did not expect God to show up. He did not expect to get a word from God. And not only that, even when he did get a word, his expectations around that word coming to fruition were low to non-existent. He had a strong belief that something would not happen. So expectations are a strong belief that something will happen or be the case. He had expectations, but in the negative sense, that it will not happen. It's like Archer. He was headed to timeout before he was even sent there. Archer did not even need to go to timeout. But because his expectations had already set himself up, that is where he found himself. Expectations are the things that we have about something before we even encounter it. This is so important. What can hinder our expectations? Our own experiences, our own knowledge can become a determining factor as opposed to the very word of God. This is huge. What you bring and what you expect before it even happens will determine so much around how you receive what God has for you. So much so that Zechariah's expectations, his experiences, his knowledge, he was more of an authority on what would happen than the word of God. Expectation is so important. Again, I already mentioned it, but the Bible talks about how Zechariah and his wife were righteous before God. But Zechariah's expectations still drastically affected the way he responded to God. I think that's important because I think there's a lot of very faithful people today in the Western church. But if our expectations are still not there to see God move, your righteousness will still not help you receive what God has for you. Your expectation will. Verse 24. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Now, your expectation is not going to stop or hinder God. I think that's important. That's not what we're talking about. Because Elizabeth still conceived, right? It didn't matter that Zechariah didn't believe him. God is still going to work. He's still going to move. We cannot stop God from doing God things. But hear this. Expectation doesn't stop the move of God, but it does change how we receive it. Elizabeth still got pregnant. Zechariah just couldn't speak for nine months. I imagine Elizabeth might have enjoyed this as far as pregnancy and and making Angie, I'm sure, could do with less of my commentary. Our attitudes become so important before anything even happens. I think the sermon this morning is called A People Prepared, and I'm going to unpack that a little bit more. But to be prepared, our expectations have to be in alignment. I find it so interesting that the word that the angel gave to Zechariah to give to John was that John was going to make ready a people for the Lord prepared, a people prepared for the Lord. Now, this is a word for you this morning. This is a word for you this morning. And here's the first part. Are you prepared for God to move in you and through you? 
Are you prepared? Are you expectant? Are you ready to receive it? Or have you allowed routine to already adjust your expectations so you already know what's going to happen on Sunday morning when you come to church? Do you know what home group is going to be like? Because you've already established this is just what routine looks like. When you go to work, are you already looking for the same interactions you've had the entire time? Are you ready and expectant for Jesus to show up in a mighty way? Where are your expectations? Because your expectations are directly correlated with how you will be able to participate in what God is going to do. Your expectations are so important. You may be praying, you may be worshiping, you may be righteous before God, but are you ready for him to show up? Are you ready for him to move through you? Are you ready for him to possibly mess with your expectations of how? If there's anything that Jesus did really, really well, it was to mess with every single person's expectations of who he was, how he was going to do, and how he was going to be him. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a manger. I think that becomes like a really nice story that we realize. How many of you would would opt for your son being born in a stable with the cows and like, I'm like, I I need like you know, anesthetic, and we need, we need all sorts of things happening. But we're like, oh, that's so cute that Jesus was born. It's beautiful. Like, we don't think about the smells that were in that barn. We don't think about having to push the cow away from, like, nibbling on baby Jesus. Thinking, you know, he was, he was placed in their feeding area, their, their manger. This, it's amazing. And not only that, if you fast forward, he, he messed with so many people's expectations of how. Even his disciples, the people that were walking with him, that were living with him, that were talking with him on a daily basis, they completely did not understand Jesus. And they're like, when is this guy going to actually overthrow this, this evil Roman Empire? We've been waiting for the Messiah for, for, since the time of Daniel. Since the time of Isaiah, when it was, it was being prophesied over, these people were hungry for the Messiah. And these disciples had bought into this whole idea, yep, you are the Messiah, but Jesus, when in the world are you going to actually do Jesus' things? Jesus messes with our expectations of how. Zechariah was doing all of the right things. He was righteous before God, but he was not prepared for God to use him. His expectations were centered on his circumstances, on his knowledge base, on his experiences of what had happened before. So let's fast forward to verse 26 and see the angel Gabriel bringing round two to someone else. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Sorry, just as a side note, because this was so, it was so funny. I was telling the boys last night the Jonah story. We're just, we're going through Bible stories. And I was just at the beginning of the story, and I said, Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. And, um, and then in my head, I thought, and he was on it, he went to, he wanted to get on a boat to go to Tarshish um, to get as far away from Nineveh as possible. But I was like, this is a four-year-old and a three-year-old. There's way too many details in the story that I'm giving away. And so I, I did not share that Jonah was going to Tarshish. And as I continued through the story, Archer stopped me and he said, no, dad, you forgot the part where Jonah was trying to go to Tarshish. And I said, my goodness, VeggieTales teaches kids these days like powerfully. Sorry, back to the story. In those days, Mary, oh, I've skipped way ahead. Verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. 
And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Who could even wrap their head around some of those things that he was even saying if if an angel appeared and said that to you? Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What an astounding difference of response and a set of expectations and a set of preparedness that we see in Mary compared to Zechariah. Angel Gabriel, round two of delivering messages, but how different is the response to the word of God? How different's the expectations this time? And this time, it's not even like it's like a lesser claim. The claim this time is is so, the antes are up. It's no longer just a a woman that was barren. It's a woman that's a virgin. It's no longer a a, a child that's going to have a mighty prophecy over his life. This is the very son of God. My goodness, can you imagine if anyone, you or me, got a message like this? I would be with Zechariah. I'm like, Lord, bless you. You know, if, if there's, who, who could wrap our heads around of the level of what was being brought? But let's look at her response. Even in spite of this miraculous, huge, the Messiah is coming through you. Can you imagine Mary being prepared to receive this kind of word? And yet that's exactly what she did. Her response was one who was completely prepared, one whose expectations were not set in her own ability or her own understanding, but they were fully reliant upon God. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Is that what your response looks like when God moves in your life? Or are your expectations already set in the routine so you don't even, you're not even able to receive when God comes to bring you that word? Do you know that God's spirit is yearning and longing to break out? I'm telling you, if you haven't felt it, it's not because it's not happening. He is yearning and longing to break forth in this place in this city, in your workplaces. My encouragement to you is to align your expectations with what the word says. 
the word of God and the promises that he has over your life would change immediately when you come into his presence. You wouldn't be able to contain the somber, very westernized feel that we have in worship, but you would start breaking forth in worship. You cannot contain what the Lord has set in motion. If your expectations align with who he is and what he's done and the promises over your life, you will not be able to contain it. And it's not, just, it's not just like nice. This is who the Spirit of God is. But do you see how we, how we receive him and if we believe him? Because our expectations are completely in line if we believe him or not. Do you know that Zechariah loved the Lord and he was righteous before him, but he didn't believe that he could do the things in his life that the angel came and told him about? And as such, even in the midst of the temple, even in the midst of his worship, he didn't believe the word that God brought to him. And the word of God still happened over your life, meaning we can't, we can't stop him from doing him. But it will drastically impact how we participate in it and how we receive it. Expectation. Do you believe God is who he says he is? Do you believe that he's already conquered death and that we're not waiting for something to happen, but just to see him release his power in this earth and he chooses to do it through you and I? This is such an exciting thing. There's a passage that I'm going to read in John, the, the, the prayer that Zechariah prays over his son as, he, um, as soon as he, God opens his mouth. He's not bitter towards God. He's not like, God, I, you, you shouldn't have kept me quiet for nine months. He, he prophesies, and I'm just going to share some of that. And I want us to link into the excitement of what that is. The other thing that I was thinking about Mary's life is she had a lot of reasons, even better reasons than Zechariah, to possibly maybe question the angel further. Do you know that falling pregnant before, before you were married in that society, in that culture, was not exactly uh, something that you would advertise? She could have been an outcast. She could have been rejected by Joseph, who she was yet to marry. She could have, just imagine the ramifications of her believing God for this miracle were not just um, nice and pleasant. She had even more reason to, to doubt or to, to question what was happening. But what did she say? She said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That is the posture of expectation. That is the posture of preparedness. She had a strong belief that something will happen or be the case if God said so. Do you notice how that was already set before she encountered the angel? It's too late once it happens. You are, your expectations have to already be there. You already have to be of a mind that when God speaks, I'm going to listen. If you've already decided that, that your expectations of what it will look like I've already decided that worship is, is average at, at Lane Park Church. I've already decided that, that when I go to work, most of these people are not interested in Jesus. I've already decided that my, my kids have chosen a different path for now. I've already decided those, those things. I would just submit to you that when the Lord is bringing those opportunities and he's wanting and yearning to bring those opportunities, and it might be sowing seeds of prayer, but as you're praying and he shows up and says, today is a day where you need to speak this seed, we need to be prepared for it. Today is the day when you turn up at church and you're already prayed up and ready to, to release a sound in worship that this city hears. We have to come with expectation. You have to come knowing who it is that we're worshiping. We're not worshiping an empty, dead God. We are worshiping the living God. 
This is not a nice Sunday morning time. This is a time where we're worshiping a God who, who was raised from the dead after three days, who tore the veil so we can come into the very holy of holies ourselves. This is a real God who really wants to touch people, who really wants to take over your life, but your expectations will determine your role in him taking things over. Your expectations are so important. If you've already decided that it's not, or that's not how it works, or that's not in this culture, or it's not in that culture, or it's not in this service, or it's not in my workplace, or it's not in my family, or you just don't understand, it doesn't work like that here. Your expectations are undermining your role with what God wants to do in your life. Verse 39, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth speaks with the voice of wisdom here, full of the Holy Spirit and full of experience of her husband not believing God, of how being expectant and prepared for God to move so changes the way we receive what God has, has to bring in our lives. So the question is this morning, when you go into work tomorrow morning, are you expectant and prepared to see God move? Move mightily. I don't want him to move within your little westernized, uh, you know, this is how much I think he can move. He might, he might let me just pray for someone, and then possibly I might be able to, like, mention the name Jesus. Man, I, don't put him in your box. Are you expectant and prepared for him to bring the child that's been away from God, and I don't care what they've been involved in, back into full walking with him? Are you expectant and prepared for that to happen? Are you praying for those things? Are, when you come into worship, when you come into this place, are you coming expectant? Are we coming to have a nice Sunday morning? Are you coming to experience and be expectant of what God can do? Because it has nothing to do with anyone else. It has nothing to do with this passionate guy up here talking. It has nothing to do with the worship team. It has everything to do with you when you come before God. Are you expectant? Are you prepared? With your family, are you expectant and prepared to see the things that God has promised? Do you believe the word of God? And have you allowed that belief to honestly challenge yourself to say, no, I don't believe. And that's okay. I don't believe half of the things that he says. But you know, when I come, I have to lay down what I think. And I say, God, regardless of what I would do or how I would do it, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. This is not through us striving. This is through us surrendering. But this looks like something. Your expectations look like something. 
When you come into this place, there should be a hum, and you should come with two or three or four other people because you know I want to come and put you in a place where people are worshiping the almighty living God, and when they see your worship, they're impacted because they know I, I can't explain what's going on there, but this person is surrendering everything. And in this world where surrender is the opposite of what we want to do, this place should be a place of passion, of surrender, and of the power of God sweeping through, and that's not through charismatic expression. That is through you encountering the almighty living God in an authentic way. But that starts with expectation that he is who he says he is. That comes with breaking down the cultural isms that we have boxed him into because we're so used to going in and out in the same way. We're so used to the things and the routine that we've already done. So we've already declared that we know everything about what God is and who he says he's going to be and how he's going to move. Can I tell you that it's your breaking of those expectations and your willingness to be a servant. And it's your willingness to say, let it be to me according to your word that is going to shatter those things. He will move in all of those places in this church, in your family, in your workplace, in your community, in this city. However, your your expectations will determine how you receive those things and how you participate in them. Zechariah still received it, but his participation was changed due to his expectations. Verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives are called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring of what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came upon all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Zechariah, I mean, that, that, that passage of Scripture lights my spirit on fire because it talks about who Jesus is. This is not about who you are. This is, I love what Tammy said. This is not even about us. This is about who he is. And it's around our expectations are aligning with who he is. When our expectations are so focused on who we are, that is when we dole the blade of how God can specifically use you within his plans. Zechariah steps into and completely owns the role of a father. 
He steps out of the doubting role that he had, and he steps into the role of prophesying over his son. The word of the Lord, not doubting it. His role is to raise up a young man who will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah himself needed to be prepared. It's so ironic that when God brought a word through Zechariah to give to John to say, you're going to make ready a people prepared, that Zechariah was not prepared to receive that word. Zechariah's role is to help create this young man to be prepared, to be ready, to be expectant. We have to be prepared and expectant ourselves first to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And can I just tell you that in this Christmas season, that your role, your mandate, your job is to make ready a people prepared to receive the Lord. That is your role. That is our role. The very first thing that we have to do is to align our expectations with him and his word and not with us and with our experiences. The message of the Christmas is that the king has arrived. The message is not will he. The message is not one day. The message is he has. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The message is not does he want to move through your life and your family and your city. It is yes, he does. But our experience. Our expectations need to adjust so that when he does bring that word your way and when he does bring that opportunity your way, you are ready to move on it and you're ready to receive it. Just the last line of that, that prophecy that he said, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's powerful. That mandate for John the Baptist of being a forerunner of Jesus of being someone that goes and prepares the way for the Lord. We're not to be a group of people that know a lot about the Lord. We're meant to be a group of people that make a way for him so that others can come into the contact of who he is. This is, this is a faith of action, not of knowledge. This is a faith of releasing, not receiving. God has already done it all. We can't do anything more to receive his grace, and I'm so grateful for that. But are the number one thing that you can do. Why I love Christmas so much, it used to be because I got the gifts. Now I love Christmas so much because I can give gifts. We have to be a people that have expectation to know that the Lord Almighty is still just as alive and when the charismatic movement started this church. He hasn't dimmed at all. Possibly your expectations might have. We always need a check. Where is our expectation? It's not where is someone else's. Where are yours? Is he moving in your life? Is he moving in your family? Is he moving in your workplace? And we should support one another in that. Your expectations create everything. If you have doubt, if you have those things, you will receive doubt in those other things. Your expectations, you will find yourself in timeout like Archer did, and no one sent you there. I thought it was, it was such a picture of Archer running and putting himself in a place where he didn't need to be because of his expectations, because of what he was ready to receive, how he thought this was going to go down. Can we be a people that come each day into our, into our homes, into our workplaces, and each Sunday as we come into this church, and each Wednesday or Monday night, whenever it is that you come into your home group, can we come with such expectation? 
Don't begin thinking about God when you arrive. Begin thinking and praying and interceding and already have lots of words to, to share and encourage to those people that are sitting next to you. Um, there's some people here, and I'll leave them nameless. They're helping set up at, at, at the... At, um, Jen Tyson's amazing. I'm not going to leave her na- nameless. She intercedes for the people that are sitting around her in worship. It's one of the things that she, pri- she doesn't pride herself on. I pride herself on that. Don't come to receive. Come to give. Come with expectation that God is going to move. There's such a word here to prepare a people prepared. To prepare a people prepared. To make ready a people prepared. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that I just speak against the walls of religion that would want to set themselves up and say that we know more than you do. Father, in this place, there's not one person that has arrived. There's not one person that knows more than the holy God. And Father, you are yearning to break out. So Lord, I speak against religion in this place. I speak against fighting and fear and lack of trust, Father God, that we can, we can layer our walls down before you and that you are a safe place. Father, we want to see and we want to partake and we want to receive to help see your people become prepared to receive you. Father, take our eyes off of ourselves and onto you. Father, may our prayer be like Mary where she says, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Father, stir in your people a heart for your heart and not for our religion. Father, stir in your people a heart for you. Father, I stand in this place declaring how alive you are today. Father, I stand in this place declaring how alive you are today. You are the living God, as David declared. You are not a dead God. And so we say to the principalities and the powers that this is a place where the name of Jesus will be lifted high. There is no, there's no barriers or qualms of religion that will hold us back but we will declare that you have died and that you have risen and that you have conquered death and that your coming was the coming of a king that was to shatter all expectations. Father, I speak for shattered expectations this morning. Lord, that you would break our bubble of how we think it's supposed to go so that we can actually see you move in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, have your way, Father. Amen. All of God's radical people said amen.